forget what week it is that was week 10 this past weekend yeah week 10 in the books um great weekend of football for me personally uh you know with tennessee losing georgia tech winning clemson losing no offense sam but hey you know i'm not offended we got our ass kicked i mean i didn't play so i can't i guess the south carolina game is probably the least interesting of of the bunch here. Um so I can just hop into that. Um, you know, you go on the road, beat an SEC team to become bowl eligible, but it's Vandy. You know, the offense looked fine, I thought. Uh without Marshawn Lloyd, he didn't even travel to the for the game. Um, we found a way to run the ball a little bit, kind of here and there, some cute stuff. We had to get in a little bit of cute stuff like some uh reverses and some jet sweeps and stuff like that. But uh, we found a way to run the ball and be successful in that. Uh, Spencer Rattler probably had his best game of the season, which isn't isn't saying too much. Um, Two hundred yards and three touchdowns, no turnovers. I don't. This might be the first game he had zero turnovers, um, which is really surprising to say at this point. But um, Jaheim Bell got a bunch of touches, nineteen touches, I think, mostly at running back. Because uh, again, Marshall and Louis was out. Um, but Vandy, I mean, our defense did not play well. Vandy ran all over us. They ran for, uh, let's see, they ran for 226 yards. Um, they had more rushing yards in the first half than they had in a game all season, I think. Um, so that's not good. And, you know, with Florida on the horizon uh, coming up this weekend, that's definitely not good. Uh, so something's got to change there. Um, which, I mean, it's weird. It's like what, what, the offense finally plays well, and again, it's Vandy. Like, they have one of the worst pass defenses in the league, but then your defense comes out and plays like shit. So, I don't I don't know. It's like it's one or the other. But um, you get a win. I don't know. It's Vandy. You did what you, you were supposed to do. It was a little bit closer. I mean, the game was never in question for South Carolina. The score makes it look a little bit closer than – it probably felt like um, being there, but it is what it is. It's a double yeah, when we on. I saw y'all were up like 35-14 at one point, and I was like, all right, I'm not checking yeah, this game Yeah, I was about anymore. to say, I was kind of surprised when I saw the final because y'all were up like considerably at halftime. Yeah, just – I mean, we had – I feel like we could have scored a lot more points, but, I mean, we had 12 penalties for 120 yards. Just getting – just – getting penalized out the wazoo. Some were warranted. Some were maybe not. Um, but it is what it is. I mean, still, you get a win, you get bowl eligible. It's against Vandy. You do what you're supposed to do. So, not much to it. That's all you can really ask for. Yep. 
Beamer's bowling again, baby. Easy money. Well, I guess um, I um... Yeah, with that, we can move on to the shocking – not shocking because it's shocking that they win. It just – it was it was shocking how it happened. Uh, Georgia Tech wins twenty eight twenty seven over Virginia Tech. Yeah, uh, we were. It's I would say it's shocking because I was sitting there watching the game like, well, you know, we're dead in the water right here. But I'm not gonna lie. Um, I thought I was thinking the same thing. I was like, damn, they're they're twenty seven sixteen with them driving. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, very well should have lost that game. But I mean, it's kind of a weird game. You come out, score ten points in the first half, give up none, um, get the turnover early. Um, and then in the second half, you just did two stupid things. Uh, you gave up a – I mean, it was a pick six, but it was really just a tip pass right out of the end zone, and guy caught it. Thing guy, guy made a hell of a play, tipped it himself, caught it, ran two yards into the end zone, and also gave up a, another punt return for a touchdown, which just can't keep happening. So um, gave up 14 quick points right there, so they scored 20 in the second quarter. And uh, I kind of felt like we were out of the game at that point. Um, came out of the half, put up three points, gave up a touchdown. And it was kind of one of those things where you're like, we're down 11 and they got the ball and they're driving on you. Kind of felt like they're about to put it away. But um, the, the offense's credit, um, and Zach Pyron mainly, uh, they got their shit together and, you know, scored points when we needed to. Um, Zach had a pretty good game. He was 19 for 32 for 253, a touchdown and a tip pass interception. The guy made a hell of a play. It really wasn't like it was like just a terrible decision. He was trying to make a play out of the back, out of his own end zone. Um, and then Dante ran the ball well, nine for 85, average nine, 9.4, um, had a rushing touchdown. Zach Pyron had a rushing touchdown and then Nate McCollum went over a hundred yards for the second time this year. Uh, on seven receptions, uh, made a hell of a play on a touchdown where I don't know how he didn't go out of bounds. He just, it's like he just stopped on a dime and turned up field and still scored um, on a really big drive. So that was huge. Um, offense still doesn't look great. Offensive line had a lot of injuries. We had apparently a lot of guys playing through the flu and a couple of guys that couldn't play because of the flu. Um, but, you know, did enough to get it done. I wish we would have been able to run the ball a little bit more consistently. Um, I think the next best rusher was uh, Zach Pyron had 17 attempts for 66 yards and a rushing touchdown, but Hassan did all right. I really like Jamie Felix. He got his first touches of the year, true freshman. Um, he just runs the ball really hard. Um, he only got seven carries for 20 yards, but he kind of – he had a few runs that he looked promising, so that was good to see. Not really sure what happened to McDuffie, but I don't really care. Um, he's not really moved the needle much this year at all anyway. So um, I think when you have another receiver besides Nate McCollum that has a good game, you give yourself a good chance. Uh, that that was Malachi Carter. Um, he made a really nice one-handed catch that the ball was thrown behind him on a big third down. Um, Zach recognized Blitz early on and got rid of the ball and put it to only where really Malachi could catch it, and he made a hell of a play. So those are the kind of things you didn't really see much out of Jeff. Um, not saying Zach's better, but I mean Zach. Zach was very much um, able to recognize blitz, and he didn't take a whole lot of sacks. He took a couple that you just really can't take. He's still young, but he did really well. It's shifting uh, projection, um, changing out of plays that 
you know, weren't, weren't a good matchup when they lined up a certain way. And then there were certain times where he knew he had to get rid of the ball and make a play. And he did. So um, it was, I think once we realized that, Hey, we just need to let this kid throw downfield a little bit, open things up. It really helped out. Uh, there were two drives in a row where we just pretty much threw the ball right down the field. And then we had a couple of big runs by um, Dante. He was able to just spring it. The defense didn't play, defense didn't play so great. Um, defensive line kind of got pushed around, although we had a couple sacks. Um, we just, again, are creating timely turnovers. I don't don't really know what the deal is, but it's one of those deals where it's like, yeah, they're driving, they're about to score on you, and somebody strips the ball um, or somebody makes a play. Should have had a pick, an easy pick, kind of threw a disguise coverage in there and made them think it was uh, certain coverage and had two guys on the ball and they both ran into each other and knocked the ball at each other's hands. Should have been an easy pick. So really should have had more turnovers than we did. But uh, again, Charlie Thomas had uh, 10 tackles, six assisted tackles, one sack. And then he was the one that made the play on Grant Wells at the end of the game where he stripped the ball. Um, so the dude is just a freak. Uh, really, really good player. Going to miss him a lot next year. But he, uh, he, he about damn near killed Grant Wells early on in the game knocked his mouthpiece out. Just kind of one of those guys that you really enjoy watching on defense. So um Did he still come back? He's got a COVID year, doesn't he? Uh no, he he's going. He he's been here since uh since 2017. 2017. I can't try to remember his freshman year when I remember him playing when we were at uh, Louisville. That's been a long time. So yeah, 2017, 20s <clears throat> yeah, I, I don't know. He's been here a really long time, but I mean to be honest, I, I think he's going to get drafted. So uh, I would hope so. The way he's playing, he got invited to the Shrine Bowl. Like, if he doesn't get drafted, I, I don't really know what the deal is because the kid is just – he's got that motor to him. Um, and he, he's like – like they like I like to call him an eraser. Like, if someone makes a, a mistake, he can kind of cover it up just with his athleticism and, and his his aptitude to be around the ball. And make so when – him. Um, I think we're finally getting Trenelius Tatum some reps. He looks pretty decent. Uh, also, you know, every once in a while you'll find him out of position and I think uh, kind of give up a play here and there, but he's learning. Um, but Dick, I would say the biggest surprise would be Daquan Douse. Um, he graded out at like 90.2 at defensive tackle. Uh, made yeah, a lot of that. plays. Um, he, he snapped. Uh, he snapped, and he's just – he's one of those guys that's really stepped up. Akilah Stone went out of the game. Um, you got Zeke Biggers. You know, he can't take that many snaps. He's just so so damn big. So, you got to really rotate. But Daquan pretty much stayed in the game the whole time, and he was stopping the run, you know, getting blocked, making tackles, just just doing all the kind of things that you want to see a defensive tackle do and you, you really need. So, that was really good to see. Hopefully, you can keep progressing that way, um, really developing. And then I would say that was our best coverage game from the secondary uh, of the year and in a while. There really just wasn't a whole lot of guys running wide open or, um, you know, coverage bus and stuff like that. So it was really good to see. I would say the most of the bus we saw were from guys slipping and falling down. So um, promising on that end. Like, I mean, we still gave up 27 points, but you gave up really 13 on defense. Um, so we can cut out the stupid shit like the punt returns um, and our punter just really it comes down to him he still thinks he just has to 
get the ball off as quickly as possible. And he's putting a line drive out there that's really not even that far. And you got no time to cover. So uh, he just needs to adjust back to how he was punting prior to all the punt block issues because we're protecting him just fine now. So um, that's kind of one of the issues you got to get. You got to get fixed. So we'll see. But, yeah, I thought it was kind of one of those deals where we were dead in the water, but they found a way to win. Not a good team by any means, but finding a way to win, which is a hell of a lot better than what we were doing, which was finding as many ways as possible to lose games. So, um, it's true. like I said, don't know if Brent's that guy, but for right now, I mean, he's uh, three and two. So, he's doing all – I mean, in five do. games, he's got as many wins as Jeff Collins did in any season ever. Yep. And it's kind of one of those deals, like, I mean, do I think we can hire somebody better? Yeah. But right now he's proven that he can win games in a really shitty situation. So, you know, give him some time, um, get the roster how he wants it, and, you know. Well, who do y'all have next week? Obviously, we got, we're going to talk about Miami, but. Yeah, so we got yeah we got Miami next week. So. And then is it, is it UNC after that? Yeah, then it's UNC and Georgia. So, I mean, UNC is going to score theirs, right? But they're going to give up their points, too. They, they really struggle with Virginia. So, um, it's I mean, it's, it's definitely possible. Drake May is good, and we'll get into that, obviously, later in the year. But, um, I mean, it's, it's definitely possible to get to a bowl. It sucks that the Virginia game was probably that swing game, and we went out there and played Zach Gibson instead of Zach Pyron. And now, looking back on it, I think you could have easily won that Virginia game if you, if you play that right, but we didn't. And it doesn't really matter. But, um, yeah, I mean, right now, Brent's doing all he can do. So, I'm okay with it for now. Hell, yeah. Um, we can move into Georgia <clears throat> versus Tennessee. All right. Well, <clears throat> as most of you know, is uh 20, 27-13. Um, hit the under. Absolutely. Um, Georgia did cover, which a lot of people lost a lot of their money um, last Saturday off that. Um, I think it was like 90, 90% or more took Tennessee, which, you know, wouldn't not a bad bet. Um, not ridiculous, you know. Um, it's not ridiculous to say that. It's not. But um, I was fortunate enough to go to the game, and it was probably one of the best football games I've ever been to, hands down, uh, period. I mean, just the electric environment. Um, I was describing it as, you know, it was loud. And then – I would say about an eight, and then once it started raining, it got even louder, which is crazy. Um, they started, you know, doing the swag surf and the stands. They started playing rap music. There were old people out there dancing, bobbing their heads to Meek Mill. It was wild. Um, that's what happens when you dominate a good Tennessee team uh, like we did. You know, it brings that environment. Um, Tennessee was a fraud all along anyways. <laughs> Kirby's now uh six and one against Tennessee um since he's been at UGA outscoring them 265 to 111. Um I'll get started with the offense. Um Stetson had a really good game. 
two touchdowns, one on the ground. Um, I think his completion, adjusted completion was 72%, um, which is, you know, ideal, right where you want it. Um, you know, came out with our backs against the wall after that early fumble. Um, first drive, kind of moving down the field a little bit. Um, Dejon Edwards coughs up the ball on their, like, 40, I think, and, um, you know, gave, gave them the ball um, pretty quick. So that kind of, you know, makes your stomach go down your – yeah, down to your bottom right there when that happens early on. Um, but defense stepped up and just really showed and took command of the uh, the rest of the game after that. Um, it was good to see Arian Smith um, out there again, just running go routes like he always has in his, like, 15 pass attempts since he committed to Georgia. <laughs> yeah. He's been there for three years. Um, but, hey, he's taking it when he – yeah, just send them downfield. Um, after they kicked the field goal and went up 3 nothing, uh, we came out and immediately threw that 52-yard bomb to them. Um, and that was a big momentum shifter um, that we needed after that uh, fumble in the, in the first drive. And then on, when we scored was Stetson's uh, scramble. Um, and the kid, I mean, he's just a gamer, dude. Um there's not that many quarterbacks that are going to throw their head down to the pylon like that and get targeted pretty much. Um, not going to make a big deal about it because it's football. I love that shit. Um, a lot of UGA fans were freaking out saying it was targeting, but, you know, that's just how it is. At, um, at some point, you got to let them hit each other, though. Exactly. You can't – just every helmet in the helmet, you can't call targeting. I mean, it's just – it's not how the game works. Um and then he gets up and lets all the haters know that, you know, spamming him over the or right. overnight over the phone didn't matter. He's still going to whoop your ass, um, which I loved. Um, and I didn't even know that was a thing until after the game. Like, I, yeah, I didn't either. I didn't understand what the hell was going on. They, yeah. they showed that celebration, like, on the Jumbotron, and I was like, why the hell did he just do that? Like, what I was that wondering mean? that while I was watching it. And then, like, yeah. later on, the announcer started talking about it. And I was like, oh, well, that's kind of hard. Yeah, I what? I know. Yeah. I, I thought it was stupid. I was like, "What does that mean?" And then after, I was like, "Okay, talk your talk, step." Um, but yeah, <clears throat> third drive, we went uh, three and out. I mean, that's when Brett Thorson just put it on the one yard line, which you know that's what you want your punter to do every time. It reminds me of a hell Jake of a punt. Yeah, crazy punt. Just you know, dream roll right there. Um, just take a hard right out of bounds. Got to love it. Um, and then the uh, blown missed call shortly after that, which I'll get into shortly once I get into the Dude, defense. They always have the rest in their pocket. We, we've already established this. <laughs> Obviously. Um, I mean, it, it's funny because at the end of the day, it really, like, didn't even matter what that call was. Because right. the next play, uh, Lad – Ran a beautiful out and up. And left. What, what play are we talking about? After the uh, the botch safety call. Um, they oh, it. oh, yeah, right. That was crazy. Yeah. Um, I was saying it really didn't even matter because after we got the ball first play, uh, Lad ran a great route out and up. Left the... You could have had nine instead of seven, <laughs> though. 
less than yeah i mean well it should have had nine instead of seven yeah that was a crazy crazy call they um earlier we're we're gonna gonna talk we're gonna talk about later we're gonna talk about later let me let me run through the offense first the um (laughs) damn sorry sorry um but yeah lab with the beautiful out and up um and then we we just had a lot of explosive plays on offense. Um, another wheel route to Kenny McIntosh forty nine yards. They couldn't cover that either. Um, third touchdown was uh, a ball that Stetson threw. That's probably one of the best ones he's thrown all year. Um, leave it high, only where Rosemary Jack Saint can get it. Um, we're up twenty one to three. Those three scoring drives totaled in twelve plays. Um, so that's, that's very efficient. Um, first half, 15 run plays, 22 pass in the second half. Um, we ran the ball 21 times, only passed it five times, you know? So it's after halftime, we kind of just let off the gas a little bit and enjoyed, enjoyed whooping their ass on, on defense. Cause that's what we did all night. Um, offensive line. I only gave it one pressure all night, and now that unit is the number one in pass blocking efficiency after that game. Uh, defense held Hendon Hooker to 195 yards, no touchdowns, and one pick, um, which I wouldn't even fathom that was going to happen, you know. Um, this is an offense that came in averaging over 500 yards a game, 200 on the ground. Um, we only, 51 points. Yeah. <laughs> they only gave up uh, 94 on the ground. Um, so just Pretty to, sure that was the first game uh, Hooker's ever started at Tennessee where he didn't throw a touchdown. Really? Yeah. At that point, he was like 22 or 23 consecutive games with at least one touchdown pass, and I'm pretty sure that covers all of his starts. Dang, I didn't know that. That's wild. Um, yep. Yeah, we only – defense only gave up 289 total yards of offense, um, which is some NCAA numbers uh, for the guys that play that. Um, so I'm going to kind of break down what we did on defense a little bit. Um, sorry if I get a little lengthy on my time here, but – this uh, this Tennessee offense, you know, there's a game plan. Obviously, Georgia showed it of, but you got to have the guys to do it. Um, but there's there's two two ways you can do it is if you can, you know, with the with their offense, they fast pace NASCAR. If you hold them to a three and out or punt, you know, a couple times uh, in a quarter. And then your offense is on the field and you can, you know, stretch out a five or six minute drive um, on offense. I mean, you can take the game away from them completely. And that's pretty much what we did. Um, so, is, yeah, uh, see, the uh, problem with other teams is the whole getting them to three and out. Yeah. Well, I'm going to, um, I'm going to explain how we did that a little bit. So, because you have the guys to do it. Uh, well, it's, it was really a, a scheme, too. Um, so you can tell um, – I, I went and dove in a little film review on uh, YouTube because I really wanted to, you know, get into it and, you know, figure out how this happened. And uh, pretty much they keyed the 
big H back. Princeton, uh, number 88. Um, anytime he was lined up out wide, they would throw um, the Jack linebackers to Robert Beal or um, the Will, which is smell um, or smile, however you want to say it, um, outside. Two man high, also ran one, cover one, press man high. I mean, it's just seven guys in the box. But what was crazy is on one of these, one of these plays, they always love to motion number 88, which is their H-back. Um, and if he's out wide, if he motions out wide, there was one play where Smell went up and uh, went out to line up against him, and he lined up three yards on his inside shoulder. So he wasn't head on. He was three yards to his inside shoulder. And you look at it, and you're like, what the hell is he doing? Um, well, that's how much, you know, film <laughs> this – who knows how, how many hours of film they watch because they knew that that guy, if he motions out, they're going to slant in. And sure enough, he took that cushion because he hit a slant and it turned into a pass breakup. Um, so that and um, anytime he's, the H-back started out wide and motioned in, um, oh, wow. Javon Bullard would come in. You see it early in the game. He comes in and the H-back would block. Okay, and then Javon would just sit there in an, in an open zone and kind of just play an open zone in the middle of the field. But later on in the game is when we started, you know, getting all of our sacks pretty much is when the H-back would keep motioning in. Throughout the game, Javon Bullard was like, this dude isn't running anything when they motion him in. He's just an extra blocker. They went in the, they went in the max protect because they were getting handled and just the defensive tackles were just eating. Yeah, and – so once he, you know, keyed that, he probably was told that at halftime as well. Um, anytime they uh, Princeton got motioned in, he he was gone. I mean, he was coming full force, and I mean, he got. I mean, he was just the game changer in the third and fourth quarter by himself, just coming off the edge, like a bat out of hell. Um, but I mean, it was just, it was great to from a scheme standpoint it was really good um obviously like jacob said it's you gotta have the guys to do it and you know we do um but you still gotta be able to wrap up an open field um if you play that play press man against that offense and we did we we opened no missed tackles yeah we played really well on defense side of the ball all around um crowd was huge there was eight free snap penalties um, which, <laughs> I mean, you can say there's, you know, it's, it was funny, a lot of, a lot of talk coming into that game and that happens. Um, I mean, it, we, we just, it was just complete dominance on the defense side of the ball, just out, just out, man, them out physical, just physicality was just unmatched. Even Jalen Hyatt came out and said, we're the most physical we've played against and probably only the most physical they will play against. Um, Jalen Carter had a career high 48 snaps. Malachi, Chris, and Javon played all 80 snaps on defense. Um, we had 24 co total QB pressures with six sacks. 
And going into that game, Hendon Hooker was only pressured 39 times in eight games. We pressured him 24. So if you get Hendon Hooker to the point where he feels uneasy and that his face tightens up, he's going to overthrow balls like y'all saw. That's, that's what I was – yeah, that's what I was about to say. And not taking anything away from the Georgia defense, but there were shots to be had that Tennessee has been hitting. But he was so, like – off his game, off balance because of what the defense was doing to him, that he just missed those throws. Yeah. Um, and he, I mean, it's just, it's just all about pressures. We were, um, one of the videos I watched is you can see it in the pit game too. Um, the reason why, because I'm, we were watching that game and uh, he overthrew a couple balls in that game too, is because that pit as that stout defensive line and they were getting through sometimes and not sacking them, but they were, you know, in his face and he had a tendency to overthrow it. And you saw it again in the Georgia game. Um, right. Yeah. The, other, the other thing about Pitt is that Tennessee never really got established running the ball. So all the front facing play action never worked. And, and Pitt didn't have to devote any more than their four up front to stop the run and, and get pressure, like you said. So they were still seeing, you know, positive numbers in the box trying to run the ball and they couldn't they couldn't do it on them yeah but that's I mean that's really how it starts you talked about how if you can get if you can get them to punt obviously going fast you never let them go fast and obviously if they're going to go tempo anyway they're just getting themselves off the field and hurting their own defense but that's really the thing if you can get them off schedule and first down and stop the run obviously you're shutting down the play action aspect of it but you're also getting them off schedule to where they're when they're when they're forced to go you know third and six, third and eight every time, the percentages on that are low. I mean, I don't I don't care who you are. You're not gonna you're not gonna convert more than probably a third of those. Again yeah. and against a good defense. But I think what really surprised me the most there, about there what were two Tennessee for fourteen did on third down. was pathetic. I don't know what the what the average yards to go were, but I would venture to guess it was probably seven or eight. Because they were in yeah. third and ten a lot. Yeah. Um, but it was just odd to me because if you go back and watch Tennessee, they have so many routes that are putting your linebackers in conflict. Like you talked about, Javon Buller is sitting there in the middle of the field covering all that, and they never ran anything into him. It was just hitches and go routes. Um, and, and again, when you can't run the ball, it, it takes a lot of stuff away, but they were running the ball inside zone into the interior when they were getting their ass whooped. Like all that backside pulling stuff you see from their tackles in every yeah. other game, where yeah. was that at? They they brought it out in the fourth quarter on their scoring drive twice, and both times they had runs of five or more. So it's it's little stuff like that that obviously I think what Georgia did they got nervous and got heels. away from their game plan, right? But I'm I almost wonder if they tried to get too cute looking at Georgia's defense, saying okay, well we'll show them something a little different and get that, away. That's from also that that's also could working. be true, yeah. So, I mean, either way, either way, they got dominated. It, right. It's, it's like again, it's getting smacked in the mouth and, you know, taking a step back and not knowing what's going on for forgetting your figuring your name for a second yeah. there. Yeah, pretty much. But yeah, we're going about, into we're that, about to talk about that even more. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry, I interrupted you earlier about the safety call. Um, but uh, from the stands, uh watching that it was close um to our end zone and 
you know, initially I thought it was incomplete pass, you know, from being in the stands. Um, but then they showed the replay and you don't see that angle that they show you on TV um, from the Tennessee sideline. Mm-hmm. Um, we can only see the angle from the back. Like we had no idea that he, the lineman that scooped it up, fumbled it. He didn't. Well, yeah, I know, but like he did after his knee was already down in the. That's end, what I'm so. saying. Yeah, yeah. Like we didn't, we had no idea that even happened. We thought he got tackling the end zone, so everybody in the stadium was going nuts because they never showed that angle to where, you know, they're they're debating that call. I mean, it was just. It was bad in the game that I rewatched it and I was like, oh my God. I mean, that was that was and the worst the worst part about the whole thing is that they go back and review it. There's only there's only two outcomes. A homeboy that recovered it, his knee is down in the end zone before he gets out and fumbles it. It's either a safety or an incomplete pass. So it's either a safety or incomplete pass. And they came out and said play stands because the guy was on the half yard line. Like that's literally the only thing it can't be. Yeah. Yeah. It was so dumb. It was crazy. So dumb. But yeah, I mean uh, what are you about to say? I was just going to say, but anyways, we can slide over, unless you have more to say. No, it's fine. Okay. We Total can sl- domination. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Score doesn't even show it enough, but we can slide on over to – about more total domination. Yeah, slide on over to the good old Clemson game here. Sam, I would be lying to you if I said that there wasn't a loud cheer in Vanderbilt Stadium on Saturday night when, when y'all lost that game. Really? When there should be. There yeah. should have been. Yeah, there was. There were, there, were, there was a lot of people sitting on their phones, not even watching our game, just watching y'all's game, which, you know, mixed feelings about that one, but it is what it is. I mean, it is. What, it's like when Bama loses, like, everybody's going to pull. That was the same, that was the same way. Like, there's, like, there's people watching Clemson, people watching Bama. It was a weird weekend of football. I mean, after we lost, I I became the biggest LSU fan of the planet. Because if we're about to go out like this, so is so is Bam. Um, but anyway, I mean, we'll just get right into this. Obviously, we lost 35-14. Uh, we got, for lack of a better term, we got our ass kicked. They kicked our teeth in. And, uh, you know, we're going to have to get dentures this week. But anyway, um, I think the biggest thing, obviously, watching the game, if we want to go through and, and just kind of recap the whole thing, I mean, we get a stop. They get the ball first. We get a stop. We come out, four plays, lose yards. They block a punt for a touchdown. Um, of their first six possessions, Notre Dame's first six offensive possessions, um, we forced four punts, and then they had a missed field goal from – 40-something yards, the wind was blowing like crazy. So it's a low-percentage play. So five of their first six drives resulted in no points. Uh, They did have a a pretty long drive right before the first half ended um, to put them up seven – well, to put them up 14-0. Of their first four touchdowns of the game, the defense was only responsible for that one because obviously they, you know, they they scored off the punt. Then they had a touchdown drive. Um, I guess this would have been – Right at the end of the third quarter, um, Cade comes in, throws a pick at the 15-yard line. They score in three or four plays. Don't really expect your defense to get a stop right there. And then uh, the final one was at the end of the game when defense kind of waved the white flag. But really, we got we just got physically manhandled. 
defensively. They I mean they ran the ball for 263 yards. Uh, their top two running backs, Logan Diggs and Aldrich Estime, both went over 100. Um, and it was a combination of, you know, them being in heavy personnel, and we just could not set the edge. We couldn't get penetration. I mean, they were combo blocking on the interior, and we just couldn't get off blocks. It was a – I mean, the linebackers had their their fair share of misrun fits. Um, but the biggest thing, I think, going back and looking at the game was the first guy striking and not being able to end the play. Um, and not necessarily missed tackles, but allowing guys to fall forward or break a tackle and pick up another couple of yards because uh, that kind of stuff adds up. Um, so, but if you watch the game, obviously the defense is concerning. But again, like I said, when you give up one true touchdown drive of their first four, I mean, it's hard to really blame them. It's it's more of a conversation about the offense and how we've really since the Florida State game, there were some signs that DJ was not seeing the field. Um, there were a handful of plays that I talked about in the recap of that game. Um, there was also some mechanic stuff I talked about in that game. And then obviously against Syracuse, all of that stuff was exacerbated when he just played really poorly. Um, and we're at a point now where we've regressed back to where we were for the latter part of 2021 when our offense was just pathetic. Um, and it's it's tough to watch because DJ's not – there was a point against Wake Forest NC State where he was involved in the run game he was going through his progressions. He was making throws downfield. I mean, through the first five games, I want to say we were third in the country um, in completions of 20-plus yards. And since the touchdown throw to uh, Davis Allen against Florida State, I think we have one pass play of 20 yards or more. Um, so, I mean, we're at a point now where we haven't had explosive plays in quite a while. Um, and it's hard to – it's hard to sustain drives against good defenses, and we're not doing it. And I think the really the most concerning thing to me is that the accuracy and the mechanics of DJ are just gone with the wind. Whatever hot hand he had for the first half of the season is gone. And we saw last year after Georgia hit him in the mouth, he never was able to respond. Um, and I think when he loses confidence, then you start having to kind of scale back the game plan. Um, and if you look at what we did offensively or what we didn't do, um, it's pretty apparent that they didn't want to put DJ in a situation to make a catastrophic mistake. Um, so, I mean, we – obviously with the wind, the weather was a concern. Um, so Kyle Richardson mentioned that last minute there were some alterations to the game plan that in hindsight probably weren't the best things to do. I mean, we we relied on screens because we, we weren't going to try and run inside against a really good defensive front. Um, we were throwing the ball underneath. Um, but again, we weren't, we weren't putting DJ in situations to throw the ball downfield and make big mistakes. Uh, so it was, a, it was a really poor game plan. I thought there were situations where we broke out plays that were on tape. I mean, from the first drive, left hash, we're throwing swing passes. Their corner is getting inside our, def our wide receiver, clearly trying to make sure that he doesn't get beat on the block. He knows it's coming. Um, then after we give up the the punt block for a touchdown, we actually have a halfway decent drive get going. Um, we're on a fourth and four, um, somewhere around their 35 or 40 yard line. And we ran a play that we've run um, successfully in the last three games. 
is something that's been on tape as a third down play. Um, and Notre Dame knew exactly what was coming. So little things like that where you have a bye week to break tendency and you don't, um, to me, is really disappointing. So, again, it's a, it's a poor game plan coupled with poor quarterback play. Um, and we just got behind the chains. I mean, we started 0 for 6 on third downs. Uh, we averaged 12 and a half yards to go on those first six third downs. Um, That's not good. And, and the craziest part is that we ended four for 11. So if you take out those first six of the next five, we were four for five. Uh, but we still averaged nine and a half yards to gain um, throughout the entire game, which is really disappointing. Again, DJ wasn't involved as a runner at all. And I think part of what got him in a rhythm and got him going um, in games earlier this season is the fact that he was involved as a runner. You know, get him get him hit, get the adrenaline going, settle him into the game. Um, and we didn't do that. The final two drives, obviously Notre Dame, the game was the game was basically over at halftime. Um, but um, the final two drives, I mean, we had to go up tempo, spread the ball out, throw it downfield. And DJ seems to do better in up-tempo situations because there's less thinking involved. It's good that he does better, but when your quarterback needs to not think to play well, that's not good. Um, that's not good at all. But again, you know, we scored twice. Um, both drives were 75 yards. Um, and it's probably the most lopsided defeat that I can think of. I mean, obviously the Ohio State game in the playoffs in 2020 was not good. Um, but you you chalk that up to having people out because of COVID and there's all these other factors. Ohio State playing six games and us not really being prepared defensively and then coming out with sugar huddles and little things schematically that that beat us. I mean, this was them lining up saying we're going to run the ball. We couldn't stop it. And our offense just couldn't move the ball at all. Um, I mean, just really, really tough to watch. Um, but it is what it is. Notre Dame was a better team that night. Um, and you just got to move on because, I mean, we're going to talk about Louisville here in a second. And they're, uh, they're a team that's peaking right now. And they're, they're, they're scary given the way that we've regressed. Um, but – yeah, you got to pick yourself up off the mat. Hopefully, it's one of those games where people get pissed off um, and kind of kind of come back swinging. But we'll see. Um, I was shocked at um, looking back and seeing they ran for that many yards against y'all. Because I mean, you know, y'all's defensive line and <laughs> isn't that bad on paper. <laughs> you know, on paper they're excellent. In real life, they're soft. I mean, that's yeah. that's the truth of the matter here. I mean, y'all y'all going into the season, you're supposed to have like one of the best front sevens in college football. You know, it's strange to me because I we have good players. We have a lot of really good players on defense. Yeah, and I still believe that, but there's just something that doesn't click, and I don't know if it's. I don't I, I don't know what it is because um, you, think it's, you think it's like little things like gap assignments and oh 100 percent that stuff yeah because I think when you look at like like Trenton Simpson for example he leads the team in tackles but that's misleading because he's been really bad at run fits 
because he's he's transitioned from playing Sam linebacker where he's out playing nickel, he's playing safety, he's playing back in coverage, he's in the box, he's blitzing off the edge. Like he's doing a lot of different things where now he's playing Will linebacker. He's he's in the box. He's a more prototypical linebacker. And there's all these intricacies that, you know, Jamie Skowski, for all his warts physically, the motherfucker could play ball. Yeah. Very instinctive. And when you're athletic like Trenton is, he finds himself trying to run down plays and you get out of your gap and they're running where you're supposed to be. Him yeah. and him and Jeremiah Trotter both are fantastic players, but they have a lot of issues with stuff like that. Um, I mean, early in the season, obviously banged up at corner and you give up some stuff there. But the defensive line is really what bothers me the most because Brian Bercy has been obviously off the field. There's a lot of stuff going on there, but he's been a non-factor. Um, Tyler Davis is playing outstanding, but he can't do it on his own. Miles Murphy is fantastic, but every five plays he'll take one off. Um, and then the other part of it is that when you're as good as we are personnel-wise, you don't really have to do a whole lot. You know, you can kind of line up in base coverages and, you know, show some exotic pressures and stuff on third downs, but really you can just line up and, and outman people. Mm-hmm. So when somebody comes out in 12, 13 personnel and you know exactly what's coming and you can't stop it, it's just, it just makes you sick. So, I mean, I, I don't really know how to explain exactly what all the issues were. Like I said, setting the edge, missing tackles, you know, not being able to to stand up to the double teams on the inside. I, I get that that's not something everybody does, but when you're talking about guys like Brian Brissett and Tyler Davis and Root on the inside that are all NFL caliber players, yeah, you have you have to get penetration at some point. So, Absolutely. I mean, and it's and again, it's not just one person. It's I mean, there are plays where you have ten guys that are exactly where they need to be and one guy gets blown off the ball, and next thing you know, you have Aldrick Estime, who looks like he's 300 pounds, and he's just running right through your defense. So it's it's frustrating, but again, it's it, it's it's also one of those things where for me, I think all year we've been kind of waiting for Clemson to play a complete game, and we haven't done it, and you're kind of waiting. You're like, okay, well, like, when does this start happening? And then you have a couple games like Syracuse where you escape, you have other games earlier in the season where we don't look that good, but you win because you're the better team. And it's to the point where we haven't played a complete game because we're not a complete team. You know, we're not a playoff caliber team. That's been readily apparent. Um, the NC State game might have been an aberration, but maybe they're not that good. You know what that you know? tells me? I don't, I, you're probably, I don't know if you'll agree with this, but that just tells me coaching. I would agree. Not not so, Dabo. Not Dabo. I'm saying. No, I think I think you're absolutely why not Dabo? Right, like I mean, because his main his main guy on the defensive side of the ball is gone. New offensive coordinator. But I mean, why didn't just, why didn't he go hire somebody? He could have got a big name DC. Why did he promote this this kid from? I mean, you're the right. Program? You're right. He took a chance, and it's not looking great. Why didn't he do that at OC either? I mean, they're all valid That's questions, true. but again, when our offense was executing at a high level, I thought Brandon Streeter was dialing shit up left and right. That's I mean, true. We were I, we were I, running I, a lot fair. of different concepts, and we were and there were accessory plays off of every call. All of our base formations and base plays, we got six, eight other things off of it, and they were hitting. So I can't sit yeah, here. Brandon Streeter had an 
he had an awful game plan against Notre Dame. It was awful. But when your quarterback can't throw the ball downfield and is so gun-shy like he was last year, yeah, you're handicapped. You're damned if you do because he's going to go make mistakes. You're damned if you don't because you're going to see what we saw, which was a whole lot of nothing. So I'm there are a lot of people that are pissed off at Brandon Streeter. He had a bad game, period. I'm not going to argue that. But he hasn't been the problem. Defensively, again, I think Brent Venables and the intensity, I think we missed that because there's more attention to detail when you know you're going to get your ass chewed out on the sidelines. But I, but I also think that Brent Venables never played a snap for Clemson. I'm pretty sure he never, he never made a tackle, never forced a turnover. So for all the – like the scheme is the same. I mean, when you look at our defense, it doesn't look a whole lot different. So, again, I think, I think we missed the intensity, but I also wonder if there's just like – and I don't want to make this too big of a point, but for every really good team you see, you have you have guys that just refuse to lose. And defensively, we don't have many guys that are like going to cuss you out on the sideline. Like I think about Nicobe Dean, like he's he's going to get in somebody's face. Like, I mean, we're boys, but you're going you got to do your damn job. We don't have people like that. Like Christian Wilkins for all the finger in the booty hole and <laughs> doing splits and all the and all like the funny stuff like. He was one of those guys that just yeah. refused to lose. Like, he would throw you off the field. Ben Bowler, Skowski, people like that were on the field. And that's and I think that's that's what we're missing is the intensity of the players is just – it's just not there. Like, Miles Murphy is a fantastic football player, but he's quiet. Trenton Simpson, same way, he's quiet. Brian Brasees, he's not the, – these guys are not alpha personalities, in my opinion. Yeah. And I don't know him. I'm not in the locker room. I only know what I read, what I, mean, I hear. You can you can see it. You can see it. Um, you know, when you're watching when you're watching games, you can see, you know, hints of how how they act on the field and stuff yeah, like and that. Yeah, and I and again, I think some of that is a trickle down from your coach. When Brent Venables is coaching, like you you gotta you gotta have some dog in you just to Absolutely. deal with that day to day. I mean you so see, I don't know if it's you see having a different personality that not that makes you soft, but I think kind of gets you out of that aggressive mindset. Um, but, but I, I mean, I think there have been games where the coaching has been poor. But, again, when you have the personnel we do, getting pushed around on the defensive line is inexcusable. I don't care. I, I mean, agree. I, I mean, you got you to get off the bus ready to knock heads. And we didn't. Yeah. And we got our ass kicked. So. That's what happened in Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it just be like that. But I will say, it wasn't an ACC game. We clinched the division because Syracuse lost without their quarterback again. And, um, you know, and we, we might have saved ourselves from going in as number four and seeing Kirby. So, <laughs> it ain't all bad. No, you're still, you know, you're still riding high after that. You know, there's still a chance. Dude, I wanted to get into that tonight, but I didn't know if y'all wanted to talk about that. Um, but we can we can go ahead and go on. Well, you got to say it now. Wait, no, wait, no, no. I was saying no. I was saying if y'all wanted to just like paint a a playoff picture based on the rankings right now. Yeah, horn horn frogs, baby. Especially TCU. If they beat uh, Texas this weekend, they're going to the playoff. 
I mean, because my oh, thing yeah. with TCU is every time I watch them play, I'm like, holy shit, this is Clemson with a different logo. <laughs> because they're explosive on offense, but defensively they have holes. Like they they're not a complete team. Yeah, I just feel like if you, if you let them play Ohio State, Michigan, Georgia, even Oregon. I mean, hell, they have to escape every week. Like Dude, you I, only I, get I still so think, many lives. Yeah, I so, still think Ohio State's a fraud. Hundred percent. They're just the same. Them. They're just the same old Ohio State. Like they're good against the teams they play, but then when they hit like a a, a good team, they'll lose. They they always look good on paper, but I don't know, dude. I I think I think they're more of a product of the fact that the Big Ten as a whole is just vastly overrated. Like Penn State's a good team, and they're always somehow ranked in the top 12, 15. At some point yeah. in the season, yeah. But they're not they're not that good. Yeah. Like, I mean, and and like I sit here and look at teams like Ole Miss. Ole Miss is ranked high. I mean, they can run the wall, but they don't do anything all that well other than hand off to Quinshawn Judkins and Zach Evans. True. Yeah, they hand it off and their defense. But I think I think they would go to Penn State and win. I think they would beat Penn State. Ole Miss's defensive rankings aren't that bad though this season too. They're not they're like I said, they're not a they're not a bad team. You don't you don't get to eight and one, seven and one, nine and one, whatever the hell they are by being a bad team. But they're not there are levels to it, and and what's weird to me is that typically, with the playoff, you have two or three teams that are like very clearly a cut above, and then you've always got three or four more that are like fighting for that number four spot. Yeah. But this year, I feel like you have you have Georgia, and then you step down a level, and you have Ohio State, Michigan, TCU, Oregon. I would put Clemson in that conversation. Bama, LSU, like good teams, but not great teams. So I, typically, I think the types I agree of teams that are the types of teams that would fight for number four are fighting for two, three, and four now. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So I think I don't know I, how it's going to yeah. shake out because college TCU is, is going in at number two. Insane, I think, but yeah, I think I think Oregon's going to win the Pac-12 the way they're playing right now. Um, seeing them against USC is going to be a blast. Yeah, yeah. I think I think they're gonna run the table if TCU wins this weekend. I think they're gonna run the table, and then it will be Michigan, Ohio State, and then it will be the conversation of is it you know one loss uh, conference loser um, Big Ten team, or is it gonna be a one loss Tennessee? You know that gets the four spot. Um, or if or if we somehow find our magic and win out, we yeah, have exactly over and one ACC champion, and we have, and by this point in the season, we've already got wins over ranked opponents. I mean, you have a bad loss, but the yeah. resume is as good as you know a team like TCU's. So I don't know. It's it's going to be interesting. There's more parity than ever this year, which is why I again talking about expansion. Like the LSU Bama game, there's so much riding on that. The Georgia Tennessee game, there's so much riding yep. on that because the winner, whoever loses this game, you don't get to go to the conference championship. If you're one loss and you, but you win your conference, you have so much more bandwidth. Yeah. But like these games matter a whole hell of a lot. And when you go to 12, like it ain't gonna matter. Clemson, right now, if, if, if that's how you did it, Clemson would play Oregon, the winner would play Ohio State. 
So you lose nothing by losing games. Like, this isn't pro football where anybody can beat anybody. Like if you're a good yeah. team, you got to go prove it every week. So when it happens, you know, we'll all get behind it because it's more football, more good matchups. But it'll twelve's a lot. It'll take the urgency out of out of winning games in November, which Absolutely. I think sucks. It does. It's going to take away that environment that I just witnessed Saturday. <clears throat> yeah, I mean that's the thing. Like, like for me as a as a Clemson fan, you know, obviously we're not out of the playoff, but as a in a twelve team playoff, I'm not even worried about it. Like we're still in. Yeah. So. I, I mean, obviously, we'll see how it shakes out. And when it comes, I'll adjust to it because, again, it'll be more football. It'll be better football. But I just – It is what it this, is. This year, there there aren't four teams worthy of playing for a title at this point, much less fucking 12. Yeah, 12. I, I liked the idea, but I, I just didn't think 12 was the right number. But then again, what does my opinion mean? You know, so – We've gotten down this rabbit hole. Telling games and yeah, we'll we'll leave it there. Um, yeah, we can hop into the to the week eleven breakdowns. Maybe I'll go ahead and uh maybe we start can start off for you, Jacob. Yeah, go quick here. Um yeah, go quick for, forever. Since yeah, so I've been rambling tonight. Um <laughs> we're playing uh I'll just send it right back to Divinity. <laughs> Yeah, playing Mississippi State, first night game of the year. Um, Finally. Kinda, kinda Wait, crazy. for real? Yes, first night game of the year. It's trash. Um, and it's an away game, of course. Um, heading to Starksville. Um, boys better be careful this weekend. Um, Mike Leach and his high, high-powered offense, I guess you could call it. Um, Will Rogers is – I don't know how he's not in the Heisman discussion. My man is he's a stat machine. Is almost Just a quarterback. Mike Leach right. finds him. Yeah, grows him. Um, almost has three thousand yards passing, twenty six touchdowns, I think. Um, but the man's got Will Rogers has like four hundred and eighty something attempts, which is double the amount Stetson had all of last season. But you also have to take into account. They don't run the ball. They'll throw screens and swing passes and yeah. little hit routes. That's their run game. So, yeah. the attempts it's, are – if you look at the air yards and yards per attempt, it's more normal than you might you might think. That's that's the misconception with the air raid. They're not really raiding. They're just kind of throwing that bitch. They're NFL offense pretty much. Basically. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I – um, I haven't really watched a lot of um, Mississippi State at all. I really year, haven't but, either. Um, so I don't really have um, a lot to say about them. All the way over on the Rogers. west side, like yeah. they got a couple of good running backs. Um, Jaquavius Sparks is is pretty good. He's the one that just gets hella targets. They throw in the ball to the backfield, which I think is going to stress any defense. Um, but Georgia's athletic enough where you're going to cover that kind of stuff up. They have like six receivers that they that they you know just yeah, fly in. I was looking at that. There's like three, four or five guys that have like 20, 25 plus catches. Yeah, Some, a couple. But, of and again, it's a volume offense. I mean, that's that's yeah. the whole point. But they've they've got they have a bunch of 
good got player. Three guys. Anybody that's they've got four guys with almost forty catches. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I don't know if Wally is up there, but the two games I've seen, he's been he's been the guy that they throw to, and he can get he can get some yards afterwards. Everybody else is just kind of they catch it and go down or whatever the case is, but. Yeah, they're um, they've been all over the place. Uh, they're a different team every week. Yeah, they shut out against Bama. Aldrin goes crazy on their defense. I mean, they'll have games where defensively they look they looked really good against you know like LSU and stuff earlier in the year defensively. Just it's just strange. Routed Arkansas. Yeah. Routed A and M, and then they lose the Kentucky. Um, so I mean, it's just. It's interesting. I, I, I'm expecting a good game still. Um, the first one is there, and it's a night game. Um, so we'll see. I mean, we should definitely win, but I'm not expecting like a, a, a 45-10 game either. You know, I've, I feel like it's going to be along the lines of the Tennessee game, maybe like 34-13 or something, 12 or something like that. You know? So you'll, so you'll cover the 16, basically. Yeah, I think we cover, but I don't think it's going to be, you know, an uh, absolute blowout. So, basically, the game's never in doubt, but they're kind of there. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I would agree. All right, well, there's that. How will we go to Georgia Tech in a critical game versus Miami? Is it Trying to beat their ass. Is it – wait, where's, where's the game at? It's a home game. Oh, hell yeah. 3.30 game Saturday. Heck yeah. Beat they ass. I keep mine pretty short. Just bottom line is just a game you got to win, um, especially for Brent. I mean, his back's up against the wall. If he wants any chance, uh, they're not good. They pretty much quit, typical Miami fashion. Um, nice. Uh, and Tyler Van Dyke will not be playing, um, most likely. Uh, he's got a bad shoulder. Tried to go out there and make a throw. He couldn't. Um, and then uh, Jake Garcia played a little bit. Looked like shit. Um, <laughs> Who's shocked? Wait, was he was he that big recruit? Yeah, yeah, that transferred to uh, uh, school in South Georgia. Couldn't play. Went to Grayson. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So he went one for two with a for one yard and an interception. Um, <laughs> I can do that shit. They brought Ja'Curry Brown in. He went five for nine for 37 yards in an interception. Well, um, he's a running back, so. Yeah, they totaled 188 yards against Florida State, 62 passing yards, um, and while giving up 454, uh, and it was kind of pretty much split down the middle, 225, 229 on the passing and uh, through the air and on, on the ground, so. Dude, their four uh, wins are Bethune, <clears throat> Southern Miss, Virginia Tech, and Virginia. Yeah, so they beat both Virginia teams, uh, but they just have looked like shit just about every other game. Uh, I can't remember which game it was, but, uh, yeah, they lost, They fumbled the ball five times and threw three interceptions against Duke two weeks ago. Uh, they turned it over eight times. And considering you are third in the country in takeaways, it's finna get nasty. Yeah, if we can continue to just turn them over, um, it should be a pretty—I wouldn't say easy game, but it, it should 
should play in our favor. Um, they don't take care of the ball. They're really undisciplined. And frankly, it just kind of looks like another Miami team where they lose a game and they're like, okay, yeah, well, we don't give a shit about this anymore. So, um, well, there goes our preseason natty. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like Chris the ball. I don't know if I like him. I think he's a good coach. I th- Obviously, they're going to break out the truck and buy some recruits, and I think they'll be an improved team, but he just – he doesn't have the team this year. I, I think it's just point blank. Hard, to, hard to win down there now. I agree, but – shouldn't be. I, I well, Because there's the college – there's not a big college fan base in Miami anymore. If they well, were good, there would be. I mean, it's just also tough when you play 45 minutes away from the actual campus. Um, That's true. Miami's never been, like, a big enrollment college. They don't have a ton of alumni, but, like, you can get most of the white trash people down there to be fans and they're good. But, um, you know, everybody with a tattoo on their forehead down there would love to be a Miami fan when they're good. But um, it's- Yeah, they have fuck you tattooed across their neck. <laughs> Unemployable, <laughs> and they're wearing Nike all shocks. white, all white Nike shocks. Like, <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. One of the teams we've actually had success in the past couple of years is is Miami. So, um, I really just think you gotta go out there and beat their ass. Beat their uh, ass. And, and, and by I say beat their ass, I mean twenty eight fourteen. That would be <laughs> beating beat their, their ass, ass nonetheless. But they got their beat like a drum this past weekend. And then against Virginia, they beat Virginia 14 to 12, but they didn't score a touchdown in the game. That's hard. Neither team did. That's hard to do. Neither team scored a touchdown. It was a dookie fest. 14 to 12. How do you score 14 points and you (laughs) don't score a touchdown? Wow. Pathetic. That's that's really bad. That's bad. That's an Iowa score right there. Literally. I, Iowa played Iowa in Miami. <laughs> it was it was bad. So I wish we were playing Miami instead of Louisville this week. Yeah, Louisville Lord knows we of, need it. They've kind of had the opposite trajectory for their season. But I, I guess that's a good transition in. Yeah. Well, so yeah. Speaking of that, I mean, Louisville started two and three. Uh, they're on a four-game win streak. Um, which they've outscored opponents 140 to 58. So for those of you that are not good at math, that's an average final score of 35 to 14 and a half. So basically they're out here, they're out here dogging folks the last month. Uh, they're easily the hottest team in the ACC. And uh, it comes down to three factors. Malik Cunningham in his last five games only has one interception. He's not turning the ball over. He hasn't run the ball a ton, but we all know, we all know this is Diet Lamar. Like, he can go out there and, and, and just destroy your whole game plan by scrambling. Yeah. Um, the second part of this is they have their running back back. Uh, Tyon Evans is a transfer. I can't remember where he came from, but he was hurt for three, maybe four games. Um, the last Ty, You weeks, said Tyon Evans? Yeah. I think he's from Tennessee. He is from Tennessee. You're right. Um, but he's kind of hard. So the last two games um, against Wake and Liberty, he's only had 21 carries, but he's gone for 232 yards and a couple of touchdowns. Um, Off 21 carries. Off 21 carries. So Mm. 11 a pop. Yeah. That's hard. Uh, And then the third part of this is that their defense is low-key five. They 
Georgia Tech's third in the country with 22 takeaways. Uh, Louisville's first with 24. They got 14 picks, eight fumbles. Um, I mean, they had eight. They had eight takeaways against Wake Forest. They had five in one quarter against Sam Hartman. Um, they're they have 34 sacks. They're tied for first in the country. There, tied for 11th with 67 tackles for loss. They're fifth in red zone defense. They're only allowing a touchdown barely over 50 percent. Uh, they're 20th in total scoring defense. They're averaging, giving up less than 20 points a game. I mean, the biggest thing for them is that they're athletic um, at linebackers. They got three dogs at linebacker. Um, they, I mean, they have a legit, legit CB1 um, in Katron. I think it's Katron Clark. Um, he tore his ACL last year, and we didn't have to play against him, but he's he's really like that. Um so we'll just go through keys of the game. This is this is what it comes down to. Obviously, we have to play better on offense, um, but we've allowed 18 sacks in the season, so basically two a game. Um, I think probably a third of those are on DJ, but again, early in the season when he was playing well, he actually was able to escape the pocket and probably save himself that many more. Um, but I think pass protection overall has been pretty good. Um, but Louisville – they're, they're like a 3-3-5, sometimes a 3-4 base. They're typically three down linemen in an odd front. Um, I mean, they play zone. They play man. They do a lot of different things. And that scares the hell out of me because DJ can't spell his last name, much less read a defense. <laughs> um, and then, like I said, they got three really good linebackers. And DJ with some, is – With some fire names, by the way. To his oh, credit, yeah. to his, oh, credit yeah. his, his last name is hard to spell. So. I mean – well, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's it's on a 12th grade reading level for sure. Um, but the fact that he's never been autonomous at the line, Sid, you talked about Pyron checking out of plays. DJ has never checked out of a play in his life. He can't even slide the protection. Um, so the fact that when we have had breakdowns of protection, it's because guys are showing blitz. I mean, we have guys pointing them out hot and we still can't get the protection flipped. It's pathetic. Um, so I'm really concerned about the fact that he he doesn't do the cerebral quarterback things very well. I'm just concerned that this defense is going to tee off on him. Um, so the key number here is going to be three. We had four sacks against Notre Dame. Two of them were on DJ. We're eight and no when we allowed three sacks or fewer. And a team like this that is sacking the quarterback and getting tackles for loss at a ridiculous clip right now, you have to keep your quarterback upright. Number one, number one job. So we got to have fewer, three or fewer sacks. Uh, second is going to be running back touches against Notre Dame. Will Shipley had 17 for 80 yards. Um, so that's basically four and a half every time he touched the ball. Not bad. Um, but in the previous two games against Florida State and Syracuse, he had 58 touches for 358 yards. We're not even talking about both of those games where he had good kick returns. So we're not talking about all purpose, just from scrimmage. He had 358 yards in two games. That's over six yards a touch. So the fact that DJ has regressed at an alarming rate, number one has to be the focal point in the offense. You have to get that white boy the ball, period. There's no if, ands, buts about it. I don't care if you're trying to throw him screen passes still, if you're trying to run inside zone, outside stuff, he has to touch the ball 26 times. That's the number here. He surpassed 100 yards, um, 100 yards rushing three times against FBS opponents. 
Each time he had 20-plus carries. He had 20 twice and 27 against Louisville – or against Syracuse, sorry. Um, so, in those games in which he went over 100 yards rushing, he averaged 26.3 touches. So, key number 26. Also, Phil Maffa has to touch the ball more. We have to not give DJ the chance to ruin the offensive drives. And it's just get the ball out of his hands, just hand it off. Um, and then the other part of this defensively is the stretch zone. I talked at nauseam already about, you know, missing run fits and, and gap assignments. Louisville's offense, obviously this is Scott Satterfield, Eli Drinkwitz, same deal. Um, their whole offense is predicated on stretch zone runs, which are basically they're going to flow you to one side and create cutbacks. Um, you know, we gave up over 200 yards rushing against Forest State. So we could ju we just got to do a better job on the defensive line of, of shooting gaps, anchoring, minimizing cutback lanes, uh, have your linebackers where they need to be, um, and then make tackles. Um, and it's going to be a big challenge because when you have Malik Cunningham out here running around, it can get it can get ugly. So key number here, 150. We're averaging giving up about 110 yards rushing. Um, I think they're going to go over that. But if we can keep them to 150 or below um, and force Malik Cunningham to throw to beat us, it's going to be hard for them to win on the road. So there you go. So what's your score prediction, Sam? That they have more than we do. You don't actually think that, though. There's no way you're rooting. You're gonna. You're. There's no way you're rooting gonna against you're your already squad. paid to go to the game. <laughs> I'm not rooting. I meant. I meant you're gonna pick against your squad, not root. No, I'm gonna ride with the squad on picks because it's you know it's a religious thing. But um, I mean, I I'm yeah. riding Clemson because it's a home game for y'all, and y'all play really good at home. I mean, yeah, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. When your quarterback is playing this poorly your offense is not going to score a lot of points. Their defense is taking the ball away. So the first seven games of the year, we were perfect in the red zone. I mean, we had, I think, six, no, three interceptions or two interceptions. Any, either way, I think we had four turnovers through the first seven games of the year. We've had six the last two games. They're the hottest team in the ACC. We're one of the coldest teams on the planet. We just got our fucking teeth kicked in. And, I, I mean, we're kind of soft, period. So, if I was betting, I got I got Louisville. We're giving them seven points. I got Louisville all day. It's, I mean, it's going to be one of those games. I can just go ahead and feel it. And also Malik Cunningham, the way we won that game last year, fourth down Malik Cunningham saying preseason we're not losing to Clemson. You think this one hadn't been circled and they're getting us at our most vulnerable? I mean, we haven't lost back-to-back -back games since 2011. And uh, must be nice. And as, as impressive <laughs> as that is, this this might be the time to break that streak. So, <laughs> what'd you say? I said that must be oh, nice. Oh, man, that got me. Well, y'all are the team that did it. Um. But, yeah, I mean, we'll see. It'll be interesting to see how y'all bounce back. But, anyways, we can move into the last game, and I'll be quick about it. Um, I don't like Carolina at Florida in the Swamp, 4 o'clock. Um, I don't like this matchup at all. Florida is a heavy run team. They're going to run the ball. 
Um, they're five and zero when they run for over two hundred and ten yards, and they're zero and four when running for under two hundred and ten yards. Um, so they're going to live and die by by running the ball. We've all seen Anthony Richardson. He's not super accurate with the football. Um, he can run. He can definitely run. He's definitely a threat but, in that game. And I mean, he has. But a every hose. twenty snaps, he turns into Cameron Newton. Yeah, yeah. He's like he's like the once a quarter he, he becomes Cameron. Cameron. Yeah, diet Cam. He just doesn't have that accuracy. But I mean, again, like we we just gave up two hundred and twenty something yards to Vanderbilt, who is not a very good team who does not run the ball. Um, I mean, very well to be honest. And we're going into a Florida team who does run the ball really well, and they live and die by the run. So, um, unless there are big adjustments made to that run defense. I don't know what the hell happened this past weekend, but I mean, that's, that's enough to have Anthony Richardson look at his lips. Um, so, you know, there's that. And I don't know if Marshawn Lloyd's going to be back. You hope he's going to be back, but you don't really know. Um, and I mean, we know how the offense has been all season. So, um, I mean, just cause they had a decent game against Vandy doesn't mean they, that any, you know, lights have flipped on or you know it's it's all good now because they're not <laughs> um i mean i think florida's defense is not very good it's in the back half of, of uh you know the ncaa and in, in total defense so i think we could, we're gonna be able to put up some points but i think florida puts up more so i'm thinking like a 34 27 game florida hey at least y'all covered yeah. Like, I think it'll be a decent game, but I think Florida's going to get ahead quickly and never give up the lead again. So, I guess my question is, do you think this kind of goes the way the A&M game went, where for the first half it was like back and forth, everybody scoring, and then at a certain point A&M just got to where they couldn't keep up? Um, or do you think it's going to be one of maybe. those? Maybe. I don't know. I, I kind of almost feel like it's going to be like one of those where they get up quickly, like, you know, Anthony Richardson breaks off a long run or, you know, they get up like 14 nothing quickly and then we can just never recover from it. So, so it's kind of like it's, it's close all game. You're kind of going back and forth for the most part, but you just never can climb that hill that you put yourself. Trailing the whole time. Yeah. I think it's an interesting matchup just because – you don't you you just never know what you're gonna get from Anthony Richardson. And like I That's said, true. it seems like every quarter he like has a Superman play, but just like down to down. I I almost I almost feel like y'all can stay in the game just just by blitzing. But and again, I haven't I haven't watched enough of Florida to our, really... our linebacker is just so slow, dude. I mean, yeah, but you can you can stunt, you can twist, you can do things to just destroyed their protection so i mean just watching watching how the we played against the run against a bad vandy team last weekend just gives me no hope for this yeah i mean it's not a good indicator <laughs> but um so i mean we'll see we'll see I, i'm in the it's, same i boat. mean it's we'll not a, it's not a, we we only win night games this season apparently so since it's not a night game we're probably going to hey, lose. Hey, 4 o'clock is basically dark outside by then. You have a You're point. Right. There. You do have a point. It'll be there. dark in the second half. Y'all might go crazy. <laughs> uh, but anyways, we can slide into the picks.
Yeah. Speaking of speaking of picks, you talk about exacerbating, making a bad situation worse. <laughs> Not only did Clemson get their ass kicked, but Samuel got his ass kicked too. <laughs> you know, me and me and Davini decided that we were we needed to make up some points and we were gonna pick underdogs and we were gonna go with that little feeling that down in our gut. And I'm gonna be honest with y'all, it wasn't good. It was not good for me. Um, there were 18 points up for grabs last week. I got five. Um, I had, let's see, one, two, two correct picks out of nine. Not good. Um, That's all right. Connor didn't get any any points. So, Well, Connor also did not participate, and he I only barely outpaced him. Um, but anyway, <laughs> looking at the current scoreboard, um, Davini at 83, Connor, who didn't pick a game last week at 84. Let that sink in. Yep. <laughs> Let it sink in. Let That's it marinate. Tough. Let's tell you something. <laughs> That's tough. Then me at 93 and uh, Sid and Jacob. Fighting at 104 and 105. So Sid, you better you better lock in. Better lock in. Um, but we'll just go right into this thing. East Carolina, Cincinnati, Friday night lights, little high school game action. Um, we got Cincy as a five-point favorite here. I'm gonna take East Carolina. Their offense has been popping. Um, Cincy's obviously a good defensive team, uh, but they're not as good as last year. And because I'm not good at picking anyway. Why not pick the underdog? What does Vegas know? <laughs> yeah, I don't really know who to go with here, but I think I'm going to go with Cincy. Um, yeah, you know, this this is a tough one. I picked Cincy earlier in the season, and they, they did me right, so I feel like I shouldn't pick against them here. Uh, I do this like ECU. Baylor, I do like um, Holden Aylers or, yeah, whatever, however you pronounce his name. And I'm looking at their stats right now. They have a running back that's kind of going crazy. They also have a receiver that doesn't have a lot of touchdowns, but he's kind of popping off. Yeah, 871 yards. Um, you know, they're a good team. I don't know. I'm I'm almost talking myself out of picking Cincinnati right now, but I'm I'm you already picked him. I'm going with Cincinnati. All right, Sam. Let's, let's ride again, maybe. Let's ride again, maybe. If at first you don't succeed. Oh, I love it. You thought we would have learned last week. Nope. <laughs> Connor also has uh, Cincinnati in this one. Next game, we got Purdue and Illinois. Um, Illinois at six and two. They're a six and a half point favorite at home. Um, this is a uh, this is a hard offense to watch because they just run the ball a ton. Uh, Purdue is kind of the opposite. They throw to Charlie Jones a lot. Um, and I think this is one of those games where Illinois, their defense is straight. So if they can just like manage the game, not turn it over, hold the ball, they're not going to give um, Aiden O'Connell and, and Charlie Jones a whole lot of opportunities. So I'm, I'm taking uh, Brett Bielema's bunch here. Yeah, this one's kind of a toss up for me. Um, I feel like Purdue, I'm going to go with Illinois. Yeah, I think we might we might have a clean sweep here because I'm going with Illinois. I don't have great reasoning behind it, but I'm just doing it. 
Divinny, do you want to make up some points and pick Purdue? Which I'm going to be honest with you all, I think Purdue is a better team, but, like, they have to play each other. So, like, when it comes down to, like, game flow and stuff, I I just – I don't see it happening. Um, I'm just going to get ride with Illinois because um, Chase, Chase Brown's pop, popping off this year, so. Oh, the tight end? I Dude, I forgot all about him. No, he's the running back. Who was Isn't that tight end you had that went back to Illinois? Isn't he the one from um, Parkview, Chase Brown? Uh, I think that's Cody Brown. Uh, let me check real quick. You are no, correct. He is uh, from Ontario. Yeah, not, oh, not. nice. A little, little Chuba Hubbard action. A little Canadian, eh? I don't even know. Hold on a second. Anyways, I don't. I mean, I don't have time for you to look up this guy's rivals profile. We got more <laughs> games to pick. I got more games to pick wrong. Um, yeah, the next one true. being Bama and Ole Miss. Um, Alabama twelve point favorite on the road. Which, mind you, let's go back to last week. Um, Bama was a thirteen point favorite on the road, and I said they were not going to cover, but they were going to win, and I was close. And I want to pick Ole Miss. I really do. Um, but I if you're too. listening at this point, you've already heard me say that I don't think Ole Miss is a great team. And I think Bryce Young is, is better than their defense. Um, but if Ole Miss runs the ball well and plays keep away, here we go. I don't know. I think it's Bama, and I think it's a tight one. I think it's a tight one, but I'm taking Bama. And Lane Kiffin has their call sheet. Did you all see that shit? Yeah. Yeah. That's so awesome. God, I love that guy. Um, dude, I I just I feel like I have to go Alabama here too. I I don't. I mean, when's the last time Alabama lost three games in one season? Like 2010. I think it was wow. the lost to Louisiana Monroe. Well, I mean, I guess it was 08 when they were six and six, and since then they've. I mean, just been shitting been on Bama. Everybody. Yeah. Um, this game is a big one determining um, who we're going to – yeah, who we're going to play. Well, knock on wood, if we went out, who we're going to play in the, the championship game. It's going to – if they beat Alabama, it's going to be them. If they lose, it's going to be LSU. So, um, Doesn't LSU have to win? Uh, LSU beat Ole Miss. So, if they both had two losses, they got it. LSU beat who they needed to beat. Ole Miss. I think you obviously want Ole Miss in that game. Ole Miss and Bama. Yeah. Yeah, LSU's looking good. kind of terrifying right now. Yeah, Ole Miss. Oh, I mean, LSU's looking good. I don't think they really scare Georgia all that much, but they definitely probably do more than Ole Miss. I mean, I know that this is probably way off topic, just saying. Like, I, I think Jaden Daniels and that offense kind of poses more of a threat if there is a threat to Georgia's defense. Oh, yeah. Well, if there's one thing Georgia has proven they can do, it's uh, stuff the run. And Jackson Dart is not beating that defense. No. I also, as much as I love Lane Kiffin, I think in a big game, I hate Brian Kelly, but I also think he's he's been in the situation more. So I almost trust LSU. And I think LSU's defense is pretty good. Ole Miss has a pretty good defense, too. I think they're pretty comparable, but – 
I don't know. I would I would rather see Ole Miss at this point. Isn't it, cra- isn't it crazy that um, the you know arguably the two best Notre Dame teams that Brian Kelly had got blown out by Alabama 45-14 and like 30-something to 12 or whatever um, and is probably going to be his worst team at LSU beat Bama. It surely yeah. won't be his worst team. Well, the other – well, I mean, I guess you could argue that the team that they had in 2018 was pretty good too. It close to beat them 30-3. to three. Yeah. So – but that's that's so Notre Dame though. Actually, Marcus Freeman now has more um, as many top five wins at Notre Dame as Brian Kelly did. They were both <laughs> us. Dang. Congrats! Nice, great, great job, Dabo. We're never going back to South Bend. We're never going back to New Orleans. It's <laughs> not good. Clean sweep for Bama. Yep, clean sweep for Bama. Moving on, uh, UCF and Tulane. Couple of ranked American opponents. Tulane at home is a point-and-a-half favorite here. I'm going to be honest with you all. I haven't seen Tulane play. Um, I have seen UCF multiple times. I, I'm not going to be able to watch this game. So, I'm just I'm just rolling with what Vegas says. Give me Tulane. I'm still on mute. The mute button got the best of me. Uh, I like UCF. Is is John Riss Plumley gonna play? Didn't know that was even a question. <laughs> I remember Halloween weekend he got his head knocked off, and I don't think he played last week. And they won last week or not? Yeah, I'm going too late. Well, that makes me that makes me feel even worse about my pick if they won without him. Um, yeah, <laughs> he's literally won. their whole offense. They won without him, but it was against Memphis. So I'm going Tulane. Go Green Wave. Maybe they'll come out in the powder blues. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'll go uh Tulane here as well. Tulane. Ganging up on Sid. Old Tulane. Well, if Sid wins this one, that's not what we need. Um next game up, a little big twelve action. Uh, we got Iowa State, a point favorite on the road against Oklahoma State, who is that's come apart. crazy. Um, I'm taking Oklahoma State here. Iowa State leaves a lot to be desired offensively, but if Oklahoma State plays anything like they did against Kansas State, oh my God, they're going to get destroyed. So, <laughs> yep, we'll see. I mean, I'm taking Oklahoma State, but I don't feel good about it. Yeah, I, I feel really bad about put typing Oklahoma State there, but that's who I'm taking. So, I'm I'm also going OK State. They've had two floppers. I I mean, shit, maybe they'll do it again, but you you gotta hope that they'll turn it around at some point. It can't be not even worse than- not even turn it around. Just like get get back on your just feet. Just don't get blown out. They're not they like they were a good team. What 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 was their highest rank in the season? Like, I think they were up to like seven or eight. Because yeah, they, they were a top, top 10, ten team when they lost to TCU. Yeah. In double overtime. Yeah. So I mean they're it's still the same players on the team. So you would hope that they could win this freaking game. Um yeah, with well, that being said, I'll uh I'll rock with Ohio State. I'll 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 rob well, with yeah, Connor, I'm Connor I'd take State. Ohio State in this game too. Iowa. <laughs> yeah, give me Ohio State. 
Okay, yeah, I'm taking Georgia. <laughs> yeah, give me, give me Ohio State every game. Oh, well, our resident Big 12 analyst, Connor, also has Iowa State in this game, so that makes me feel even worse. Um, Here we go, Clemson and Louisville. Clemson a seven-point favorite. I have Louisville on the pick sheet. Obviously, I can't pick them. I've already said that I want to. I feel like they're going to win. I just have that feeling deep in my loins that we're going to lose. Um, but I'm also a pessimist. Um, so I'm calling ball game right here. I'm going to pick Clemson, um, but don't like it. Yeah. Y'all are not losing two weeks in a row. Not losing the loop, though. Give me Clemens. I agree. You still have Louisville in the pick sheet. I'm not going to change it. Yeah, you are. But just know that I'm not picking Louisville. I have I'm it. Picking I'm picking Clemson. Not. Yeah, leave it spelled like that so you don't get points for it. Okay. Sid, too. <laughs> so, Divinny, you got Clemson, I guess? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clean sweep. Well, not quite. It's a sweep, but it's not a clean one. Um, moving on, Georgia Tech and Miami. We've already talked about this. Georgia Tech, it's time to beat somebody's ass. I think it's going to happen. I, I, honest to God, feel like this is a Is this, this the is Pyron breakout game? I mean, he's already broke out. But he's, this, is he's this now, like the he's real now the Red Rocket, the Red Rifle. <laughs> we got we to gotta figure out a nickname for him. The Red Rider, I don't know. People have been calling him the Red Rifle, so – I'm, I'm with the red rifle. I mean, dude wants it, so I'm uh give give it to me. Give me give me tech. Yeah, I'm watch y'all start tech. Jeff Sims or some stupid shit. <laughs> I hope hey. we only play Jeff Sims in the Georgia game. <laughs> fair. That's fair. <laughs> Why is that fun? <laughs> I want this man dead, <laughs> boy. <laughs> They trying to get him killed. Oh, we're not gonna mess with Pyron's confidence. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying. Pyron's confidence. him to look. No, you say, look, he's played four games. We don't want to burn his red shirt, so we're playing Jeff. And he said, Jeff out there to get us head taken off. What if you are bowl eligible though? Then do you burn Pyron's red shirt in the bowl game? A hundred percent. Oh, absolutely. Come around, be like, yeah, we got to play him anyways. He's our quarterback. Yeah. Jeff's hey, I know. I know. We told you we're not going to burn it two games ago. Okay. Well, let's well we, but we're burning it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Jeff, we here's have an application it. into the transfer portal. We have to burn <laughs> it because uh, Jeff's neck is broken. So. <laughs> oh, Jeff's in the hospital. <laughs> You're the only option. He's no All longer right. with the team. All right, Davini. Who? Davini, who are you going with here? I'm going. I'm going Tech. I'm going to ride with him again. Clean sweep, baby. Clean sweep. Clean sweep. All right, next one up, Washington and Oregon. Oregon's a 13-and-a-half-point favorite, but Washington is ranked 24th. Uh, they beat a, a pretty solid Oregon State team last week. But Bo Nix is Bo Nix is doing things that are not Bo Nix-like. Um, I saw something that he is the, uh, the only quarterback uh, of the 2000s, I think, to have three straight games with – uh, at least three touchdowns total, no interceptions, and completing 70% in each game. He's the only one to ever do it, which is crazy. So, yeah, I'm, I'm taking Oregon. I'm also taking Oregon. 
Whatever, yeah, uh, go ahead. My turn. I'm going Oregon as well because they're one of the hottest teams in football right now. Um, I mean, Washington's having a good year. Michael Penix from Indiana is kind of balling over there, but give me give me Bo Nix and, and Oregon. Whoever came up with that stat uh, has no life that you just said, Sam. So, um, Well, it was me, Oregon. so. You did not take the time to go back that far. Dog, Shut you up. never know about me, though. <laughs> so, yeah, clean sweep for Oregon. Also, I would love to see Oregon and Georgia play now. Like, Oregon was and not and, ready. And everyone else on Twitter. So, <laughs> not that the outcome's any different, but y'all don't beat the 49-3. to Or maybe maybe it's worse now. I don't know. Moving on, final game. This is our game of the week. TCU and Texas. Texas at home, a touchdown favorite. I just think the TCU, the cat with nine lives, I think they're out of lives. Um, and Texas offensively can score with them. If, if they're on, which is the great question with Texas. But I'm taking the Longhorns. Probably going to regret it, but it is what it is. I'm uh... – I'll, I'll go as far to say I think TCU is going to beat their ass. So give me TCU. Okay. I'm uh, yeah. I'm in. I'm going TCU here too. Twenty frogs. It's right not even. Squad. Not absolutely not even a question here. If we're going to do a little, you know, a little football math here, TCU beat Oklahoma State. We were just talking about how bad Oklahoma State is as a team, and Texas lost to them. Not not too many weeks ago. Just a couple weeks ago. So. Well. Texas lost to Kansas State a lot less than Oklahoma State did. I mean, that's true. <laughs> like but a lot less. It's all really a toss-up. But, so but TCU, TCU beat Kansas State out. more than Texas did. Well, Texas lost to them, so yeah. No, Kansas State. Wait, dude, I don't even know what you're saying at this point. It's Big 12 football. It's a, yeah, it's the a Big 12. Uh, yeah. I'm taking World TCU. Story, I'm taking TCU. Big 12 can go any direction. I'm going TCU as well. Connor has Texas. And a pick that I feel like he, he just has to respect Texas at this point. But, um, yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's it. Anything else anyone wants to say? Uh, DJ sucks. Uh, I just Georgia need to get off Georgia, the Georgia won the national championship this past weekend. <laughs> Tennessee was yep. the worst number one team in football history. Even worse than 2014 Mississippi State. I was. That's the team that immediately came to my mind when I said that too. Apparently, no they're way. the only team that's ever been number one at any point in the playoff polls, not to make the playoff. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's definitely like basically one. every other year. If you ever get to number one, you make the playoff, except for Dak Prescott, Mississippi State. Yeah, we beat their ass. Yeah, y'all did, and then got the game t- stripped. <laughs> <laughs> got what? Wasn't the Orange Bowl stripped? No, that was the, the 2009 ACC championship. Oh well, y'all didn't deserve that one anyway. <laughs> we beat y'all twice in one year. What you talking about? <laughs> y'all didn't. Des- all right, I mean, we, we, we got our lick back, too.
Y'all, y'all, y'all got it back and then some. I'm just yeah. saying. <laughs> All right. Well, before we get too deep into something else here, um, thanks awesome. for listening. Peace out.